Hello, darkness, my old friend. Hey, dreadliest, my uh, also uh, old friend. It's been a, a wee bit. And, been a hot uh, minute. I'm not sure the podpacksers are aware that uh, you could not uh, be in my presence for some period of time because you caught yourself the Omicron. I did. I did. And uh, I went out and licked the doorknob and got me some Omicron. And then you were you were down and out. Yeah. Yep. In Rock Hill, not Beverly Hills, down in Rock Mill. Hills. Close enough. Fort Mills. And uh, incapable of, uh, or not incapable of, I guess, uh, out of an abundance of caution, adhering to the yeah. Center for Disease Control uh, ever-evolving um, recommendations or restrictions, you quarantined for a period of, I can't recall. Uh, between 10 and 14 days. Okay. Right. The problem was is that uh, we also, I mean, it sort of ran through the house. Yeah. And so it was like this weird, you know, well, we started a quarantine, and then I got it, and then this one got it, and then with it, you know, right. so you kind of had this like extended. So we ended up being like, you know, like two, two solid weeks. Yeah, right. Of of kind of being out of commission, and some of that was because you know, to your point of, of trying to be cautious and and follow whatever guideline there may or may not be at any given time, but also, <laughs> I was pretty miserable. It was it was a pretty miserable experience. It's a bad bad around. thing to catch, right? Uh, I mean. Look, I didn't die. It was right. fine, you know, but it was miserable. I, I wouldn't recommend it. I right. wouldn't say, hey, you know what you got to do? You got to go on and get out there and get yourself some Omicron. It's funny how it affects so many people differently. I mean, for me, uh, I felt a little under the weather. I got it twice, yeah. um, and I wasn't super sick at all, but it did erase my eyebrows and eyelashes <laughs> from my face and take huge chunks of They're my hair. They're coming back here. They're coming back. Yeah, They're coming back. That's weird. But, uh, you know, at the time, I was like, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't even know that was a thing. And, in fact, the, the way I found out that was a thing was not that long ago. I happened to see a picture on the internets of uh, the head basketball coach of South Carolina's University of South Carolina's basketball team, was a man named Frank Martin, Okay, who previously had a uh, bushy head of hair and a pretty... Uh, her suit visage, but was looked exactly like I did, just hair, just hairless. And yeah. I was like, "What the heck?" And I looked it up, and sure enough, <laughs> is that right? He had had the the he got the Rona, the Rona, and the effect it had on him was similar to me, and that it it knocked off a lot of his. Like I've lost probably fifty percent of my body hair. Believe it is or not, that right? My eyebrows, my eyelashes, most of my beard. Uh, chunks, weird ass chunks all over my head. I mean, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. He chose to shave his head. I did not. No. Uh, he chose to shave his head, and uh, but that's and I, so I looked it up on the internets. So yeah, I know it's true. But it's exactly a, how you know a great, uh, not a great, but a it, significant it's a number. Thing. Yeah, it's just it's, it's a, a thing. thing, right? Yeah, nobody knows really yeah. why. It's so weird because, uh, uh, well, <clears throat> as as we may or may not have discussed at some point during that time when I was laid up. Uh, it seems to follow no rhyme or reason. No, it's it seems, chaos. Seems to have no, no chaos. discernible pattern. It does what uh, it does because it does you know, like does. middle daughter uh, lost her sense of taste and smell. My wife lost her sense of smell, uh, and none of the rest of us had any of that yeah. as a symptom. Well, Omicron supposedly didn't. That's not a symptom from Omicron, right? Oh, taste and smell. I don't, I don't know. know. Now we're out into the Could, part of it. I know. <laughs> great swath of this. You got <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Dred. I'm not an epidemiologist. No, I'm not. Yeah. Nor do I choose to play one on TV. But no, uh, I didn't even stay in the Holiday Inn Express. Eh. I got nothing. So uh, on that note, I'm glad you're back uh, oh, behind the Rock, be Roadcaster back. Pro. I think it's yes. been two and a half weeks since we At least. laid one of these yeah. down. Although I did listen to number seven yesterday. Yeah, I like so number seven. Number seven, I was, seven was, was good. pretty good. And uh, so we're ready for number eight. You ready? 
uh, hold on, ready? Wait, wait. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Why don't you roll that fabulous bean footage? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're, we're back. back. We're putting the band back together. What would you say you do here? We're on a mission from God. Who is the minivan centurion? He's not simply a husband, father, and a good neighbor, although he is all of those things. He's also the coarse twine that holds the fabric of our community together, fighting to keep us united in the face of those who would split us apart. Most importantly, the minivan centurion is the special trustee of the legacy of liberty, which has been passed through generations of tired and bloody hands from the original men who first founded and then fought to build this nation. The minivan centurion is you. He's me. He's every man who lives third, holds the middle, and seeks to stay in the fight. You know what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> what the bushes beans? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just trying to. I was trying to figure the, out the, the look on my face. Is I can't remember the stupid dog's name. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, was, I can't. Either. I was trying Van to come Camp. up with it real it quick. Van, it's not Van Camp. That's another. Van Camp. That's a different bean. That's a different bean. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, uh, Rust, Rusty. No, that's not. I think it is Rusty. I, think, I don't think it's Rusty. So uh, the latest drop of the Minivan Centurion was chapter 13, 15? 15. 15. Because we have, there's 19 chapters. There's three left. So 17, 18, 19 are left. We, we just dropped 15. And uh, 15 is uh, called Movement Bias. Yeah. This one I understood. Oh, good. The the one before this. Dead Reckoning. The Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Conceptually, obviously, right, I understood, right, but right. it lost me. Now, Dead Reckoning and Movement Bias were at one point in time. Were they one chapter? One chapter, and I divided them in two. Uh, and it's just probably uh, this long conceit of mine, which is a overstretched metaphor. Uh, <laughs> but I've always thought, you know, when I was in the military as a young man, and I learned to dead reckon, right, which is to navigate in the, through the wood line. Yeah, with, with nothing but a compass, right? Com- compass and a map. Yeah, uh, and, and I learned how to do that. That is always stuck in my mind as kind of a metaphor for your movement through life, mm-hmm. right? So you know, you start out uh, with a map, right? And you're given a start point on a map, and uh, you're given you a, are here, you are here, you know where, where you're going to start. Say so you're doing your, oh, I see, you're, you're doing yeah, your yeah, planning, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. You're given a start point. This is where you're going to start from. You're going to be here. It may be where you are at the moment. Yeah, sure, sure. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And then you have an objective or an end point. This is where you're, you're going. And you what you do is you take uh, this plastic piece of plastic. It's called a protractor. You draw a line. Heard of it. <laughs> draw a line. <laughs> it's not like a protractor, though, exactly what you're thinking of. No. Uh, you draw a straight line, straight edge line from the start point to the objective to the end point. And it's you, independent of elevation, independent of ridge lines, independent just, of just, just, just boom, line. straight as, line. As, as the pencil flies. Yes. Right? And uh, that, so you're drawing a line on a map, which is a two-dimensional representation of what is a three-dimensional object, which is the, the world, right? right? The globe. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, if, if you believe that. If you believe that. Right. <laughs> Some, Some don't. don't. <laughs> Some don't. So, uh, you know, it's not perfect, right? Right. It's, a, it's, right. It's, it's, it's a mathematical representation, right? So you do that, and then you measure uh, the distance of the line on the map, okay. which, let's say, you know, it's two inches, and two inches would equate to a certain number of meters, Right. Based on the scale right. of the map. So we say, okay, so 5,000 meters or whatever. Whatever, you know, right. whatever it is from right. here, as the pencil flies, as the, as pencil the crow flies, flies, right? 
will, this is this that, is the distance. That's all. That's the distance I must move on foot. Yeah. So uh, the second thing you do is you figure out the azimuth, which is the the uh, the heading, the compass heading. Mm-hmm. So you do that on the map with the protractor. It tells you somewhere along a 360 degree okay. uh, plane uh, where what your heading is. That gives you a grid azimuth or a grid heading. Uh, the problem with that is that's not the same as what you'd find on the ground, right? See, this is where I started to glass over. Keep right. going. <laughs> well, there's actually three. There's uh-huh. there's uh, magnetic north, true north, and grid north, right? Yes. So grid north is the map. It's just right. the top of the map. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, magnetic north is where a north-seeking arrow on a landsatic compass would point, which uh, I learned in the military is not the same as the North Pole. It's slightly oh, off. It's it's generally ish ish, but where you're, you know, what, depending on where you are on the ground, uh-huh. uh, it's some degree off. There's an angle that's formed. Okay. Uh, and then the final uh, heading, like I said, is, is true north, and that would be basically where the North Pole is. Right. True north doesn't really matter in your calculation of your azimuth. You're going to use on the ground. What matters is your magnetic north because that's you're going to use your lens out of compass to do that. So well, you're not covering enough distance, generally speaking, that it's gonna, well. Just true north doesn't take you anywhere. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so when you're Fair. on the ground, when you do this, and you're before you leave, you know, you, you look at your map, and you're like, uh, you have to adjust for the difference between magnetic north and grid north. So the map tells you grid north. So the map tells you that you're heading your azimuth is 27 degrees. Mm-hmm. If you followed that on the ground with your compass, you wouldn't come to your point because the mag- it's not the same place. So you have to do an adjustment between grid north and magnetic north. And that angle is placed on every military map. It's called the declination, angle of declination. And it gives you an adjustment. Okay. Right? And it, it's different for every place on the ground because mm-hmm. you're in a different place relative to magnetic north, right? Sure. So let's just say here in Charlotte, North Carolina, the magnetic, the angle of declination is is four degrees. To go from grid to magnetic, you would go, and I'm trying to remember, in the east, you would add that four degrees. Okay. And in the West, you would subtract it. It's like okay. I have to go back 30 okay. years to remember this stuff. But, you know, I had to do this. So you'd, so you'd say, okay, grid north, what my map shows is 27. On the ground, I'm going to follow a 31-degree azimuth with my compass. That makes sense? Yeah, because you're, you're making the adjustment. That's right. Now, uh, that's probably where you were saying you read that chapter and you're like, ah, yeah, I don't know. You're I know. I was like, blah, 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 blah math, blah. blah, blah. Right. Now, the next thing uh, to consider is that 5,000 meters that's on the, gra- on the map how does that translate to distance on the ground? Like, how do you go 5,000 meters? You know, right. you can't take out a giant tape measure and measure it. <laughs> Give it a toss. Right, <laughs> right. So dead reckoning means you use your feet. So right. you, have a, you have a pace count, right? So and every man's pace count is different. Every 62 steps. Based on height and, yeah, and pa- pace. And stride. Or stride, stride, yeah. Right. So every, two, every, 62, every 62 steps with my right foot, yeah. that's 100 meters. That was my pace count. Yeah. So you keep up with that, and then you just, you know, we, we, you, you would make, we would take 550 cord, which is cord, parachute cord. We made this, what was called a pace cord, and you would have these little knots that you would slide down every time you went 100 meters, because you would forget. Okay, sure. So you go yeah. 100 meters, or you could be distracted, or maybe you have shot at, you know, right. whatever. Yeah, any right? number right? of so, things, right? So, uh, you know, you, you, so you're moving, and uh, you hit 100 meters. you're counting the whole time. Counting the whole time. Got to count the whole time. Yeah. Because the lose. two things you got to know is the direction you're heading and the distance you've gone. Okay. Right, so, uh, so when you got on the ground and you're in the wood line, you're like ideally, let's say I got five thousand meters away, I know I got to go, and I could put my compass there. Well, I can't see five thousand meters away, no, because I'm in the wood line, right? Right. Um, so I point to something that I can see and take an azimuth all that, like tree that got hit by lightning at a thirty-one degree azimuth. 
point to that. And, and that might be a couple hundred yards. Right. And you go, okay, I can, I can get that far. <laughs> right. And, and then. And I walk to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I hit that point, oh, now I'm 220 meters. I do it again. Big rock. And keep going. And keep going. That's dead reckoning. <clears throat> and it actually works. It sounds hard. It sounds hard. Now, again, this is all before GPS. Well, sure. Because I'm sure now that you just look at your watch or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You when I think. got out of the Army in ni- 1994, we were, they just started using these civilian GPS things, and they were pretty relatively gigantic. I mean, the, the, the device itself oh, was yeah, big, I'm and sure. it was, wasn't that accurate. Because there were I remember less satellites in the, the, yeah. the terrible, you know, when we when they first became kind of commercially available, right, right. And, and how giant and right. ridiculous and you know now with my Garmin Tactics watch, and, uh, you know, <laughs> right. I'm which sure, has its own right. GPS right. and its own signal right. and its so, own yeah. Uh, anyway, but that's the way you did it back in the day before all that is you with a compass and a pencil and a piece of paper and a and a uh, and a uh, protractor. You'd figure that out, and that's right. that would be dead reckoning. Now the point of the chapter really is that 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 this objective that you're going to dead reckon to is fine, but along the way, the ground yeah, ain't like that, the map. Well, that's what I was, yeah, and that's what I was just going to kind of get to. Like, so conceptually, right. it makes sense. It makes but, sense. But there's rocks, and there's trees, right. and there's things you have to circumvent. There's swamps. There's danger you have to go around. Uh-huh. So you have to square off around it's like a It's like a compromise it's as a you compromise, journey. Right. Mm. So you're like, oh, this is my plan. This is the objective I'm going to go to following what I planned on the map. And you get on the ground, and you're like... It's a pretty big, darn dead tree right there. I can't yeah. get through. Oh, there's a big rock. It turns oh. out there's a big hole. Or what, a, yeah, yeah. What looked like a a kind of a sharp decline is actually a cliff. You know, and <laughs> yeah. these things compromise your journey, and they yeah. throw you off. Right, they, they throw you off, and you have to adjust to them as you go. You know, and this metaphor is what I've used to say is the life of man. Mm-hmm. Right, we start out with a plan, if you know, and we should. Sure. But as that plan unfolds, those things that jump in our way, you know, these externalities, right? These things we didn't plan for that we can't control, they cause us to have to circumvent, right? Right, and make adjustments. And and in our F three parlance, uh, as we have talked before, you know, some things are are problems, right? Some things are conditions. That's right. That's right. And uh, and these are conditions, man. I would say for the most part. <laughs> That's right. You know, I mean, you, to your point, you, you know, getting distracted and losing count of your knots right. or something that that'd be a problem. Right. right or get shot at—that's a problem. Right, right. But giant hole, you know, uh, in the ground that you didn't think was there, or didn't under, you know, whatever. Right. Big tree down, like condition. Right, right. So I don't want to jump ahead to the next book, which I'm now writing. So I was one by ahead. Uh, but a theme of the next book, which is called the Zebra Jockey, is about adapting mm. to chaos rather than trying to control conditions. In other words, accepting the fact that there's Almost everything in our lives is uncontrollable circumstances, what we call chaos, right? Right. Uh, that you can't control because no, it's by definition yeah. uncontrollable. Right? But we just love to try this, this little great illusion that we built for ourselves right. that somehow we have some sort of influence. I think it's human it. nature. And I think it's a hardwiring. People are differently hard, hardwired, some people more or less to control. Sure. But, you know, uh, if you try to do that, it ultimately will cause stasis and failure and whatever. But, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves because we're we got a couple more chapters in this book to go, but Fair. the to to be able to um, say, well, the conditions on the ground are what they are, right? Right. The, there's rocks, there's trees, whatever. There's enemy. I have to go around. Um, I can't control those things. I have to adapt to them, mm-hmm. right? And that's to make rapid adjustments in the face of uncontrollable circumstance, right? That's ad- adaptability. Sure. 
And that's something we try to teach in the in the GT. If you're, yeah, that's yeah. that's a training principle of the GT. Right. Is to is to constantly hurl uncontrollable circumstances at <laughs> at the packs and see right. if they'll adapt or they try to control them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that do right. fail, and the ones that <laughs> adapt do okay. Some of those are very simple, like take away your watch. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. you don't even know what time it is. Right. Yeah. And it's very frustrating for some people to to be able to have to do that. Right. Yeah. 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 You know. Uh, but that's a way that you learn how to be more durable. That's way you, you know become a better minivan centurion yeah or in the case of uh the end of the book which i'll forecast to the last chapter is called the cadre and the idea is to form this you know small band of of no longer mc curious fully mc who then you know disperse across the face of the earth and spread this idea that we have here yeah um yeah so that fits in neatly with the f3 idea of forming the cadre which uh is something that's ongoing right now you know we have the cadre right. academy yeah, which had its we, first we've run. had one iteration, and right? It, it, there's some learnings, and that's right. We, yeah, that's might right. be some changes and whatever, but that's right. Yeah. So the, the the second chapter, the one we just dropped, <clears throat> the one that used to be part of the whole thing, um, which is uh, movement bias, talks about the fact that not only are you going to face trees and rocks and things on your path to the objective, right. it's weird but true that in every man is the tendency to circumvent obstacles in one way or another, in one direction or another. Yeah. Step to the left, yeah. step to the right, step to the left, step to the right. It might be that my right leg is my stronger leg, or it right. might be that I, you know, Don't whatever, know. I'm left-handed, right. whatever the thing might be. But given given the, the choice, more often than not, I will choose one way over the other. Yep. Yours, I, yours I, as you mentioned, was to the right. To the right. So when I get to my objective, or my objective should be, you know, I had, right. let's say I had 4,800-meter movement. <clears throat> I get to 4,800 meters, I look around, I can't see it. Right. It's not here. Where is it? I wouldn't search to the right. Because my yeah, movement you're going bias. left first. Yeah, I search to the left because it's going to be to the left because my movement bias is to the right. You know, so I know that's where it is. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of a good way to uh, to navigate. So I don't have to slow down and be perfect. Right. Oh yeah. Sure. Like I'm moving quickly through the wood line towards my objective, knowing that I'm probably going to miss it. Correct it later. Yeah. The farther the movement is, the more likely it is that I'm going to be off by some degree. But when I get there, I can I cut my search time at least in half by knowing that I'm going to search to the left yeah. and not to the right, because there's there's no point. It's I'm not. It's not going. To I be didn't to the go right. left. Right. Yeah. Now, as you move together through the wood line of life with other men, it's good to lock shields together with a man who moves to the left. If you move to the right, now sure. I'm not talking about walking to the woods so much. I'm talking about the way you approach anything. real problems. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Yeah. Right. Anything. Well, as the example that, you know, we've given this before in, in other places, but I'll give the example again of, you know, as, as I formed a, a, you know, after you asked me to, to lead F3 uh, in, in this capacity, and I started forming a team to say, okay, obviously I can't do it all myself. My initial bias, my movement bias was I, you know, started thinking of a bunch of guys that I liked. Right, that would you know, be that would that be I thought natural. were great guys. Right, you know that I just thought, oh, these are cool right. guys that I'd love right. to hang around with. And then as as <clears throat> different tasks and, and duties and and opportunities and problems, uh, particularly uh, came up, you know, I started realizing, oh crap, if all of us are very similar, we're all solving to the right. Right, and so my bias to the right adds to this guy's bias to the right, adds to this guy's bias to the right, and pretty soon. Yeah, we can look to the left, but we have to. It's almost like we have to start all over, right. you know, in that sense, right? right. So uh, you had to be very careful and choose and go. Who who are some men who are in a shield lock situation, right? Who are accelerating, you know, in a similar. You got to be moving to the same objective. Yeah, I'll say in a yeah. similar yeah. pace and right. fashion and, and toward the same end, right? But but who have a very strong bias toward this 
this other way. It doesn't have to be very strong. Uh, it is to counteract some things, well, right? It, it, it has to it counteract was, mine, I guess is what I mean. Well, you know. I, well, I guess what I was going to say to you is I don't think you have ever, that I, of what I know of you, I would say you're not a man of strong bias. Oh, no. I, I just meant in, uh, in, the, in, in approach. Right. Okay. In approach. Right. right. So, you know, my, they're going to have to be, when I say they have to be strong, it's not that they have to be on the other end of the spectrum okay, politically or something it, like I that. Right. I mean, in the sense that they're going to have to be strong enough that I can't overpower them. Right. Because I'm, you know, sometimes a little loud, sometimes a little, sure. you know, right. So just that my leadership or my, you know, just the way I am sometimes a little brash, a little loud or whatever, just that I'm not going to drag them off. Even though they, they tend this other way, they have to be pretty strong sure. in, in there. So we had to be similarly yoked, you know, if you think of it as the oxen team, yeah, right? right. We had to be similarly yoked, but they, but man, and the, and I remember looking and thinking about those guys, certain ones and going, but he drives me nuts. Yeah. It's a sign it's working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is. It's a sign that's working. I mean, so, yeah, yeah, no, you know, yeah. uh, my bias, you know, again, again jumping forward to the next book, my, I'm, I have a chaos bias. So, uh, yes, I, I know. I, I believe that there's only two things a man can truly control, and that, mm-hmm. that's what he puts in his mouth and what comes out of it. Now, that's I oversimplified, mean, but I like where oh, you're going. That's how I yep, am. No, right? I like it. I'm with it. And, and that leads me to be not a fatalist. I don't know if you have fatalism. But it more of the fact that I don't expect to control anything, A, yeah. and react violently to the, to being controlled by anything. Yeah. Because I have that, I have That's, a strong, strong bias towards chaos. Yeah. Now, the other end of the spectrum is having a strong, strong bias to control, right? Right. So if you think you control things, like things, like there's a lot more than you, that you can control besides simply what you can put in your mouth and what comes out of your mouth. Right. You know, you and I would be in tension, and my my contention about that tension is that it is a good thing. Yeah. And a byproduct of people that have recognized these the, their inherent biases and move forward. The, the point I make in the in movement bias chapter is that the that goo nation sees uh, conflates bias and prejudice. Yes. And, yeah. Right? I was going to get to that. Yeah. Like for for yep. for goo nation, it's a pernicious cocktail that's never fit for human consumption. Whereas I'm like, no, we all have biases, and it's it's well self defeating to deny that it exists. I was going to say because you know what people don't necessarily want to acknowledge on that end of, of things is that you have to have them in order to survive, in order to stay alive. You must have certain biases. You must because your brain is a, is a pattern right. processing. It's machine. how we survive. That's what it right. does. It's how right? we survive. And if you didn't have patterns, and if you didn't have ways to discern, and ways to judge, and ways to you know, put things in categories right. and all that kind of stuff. You, you, would, you would be so overloaded with information all day long that you would go insane. Right. So, I that's why a a high high chaos guy like myself, when confronted with uncontrollable circumstance or call it adversity, something. Sure. The tendency of a high chaos biased person would be to say, "It is what it is," <laughs> just, now, and just let it wash. Now the. And the the high control person, on the other hand, uh-huh. would not say that. They would say, "It is not how it should be." I was just going to say that they would they would tack on the end. Right. It was. Uh, it is not how it should be. Now, yeah. between is it is what it is, and it is not how it should be. I think is the right place. Sure. Now, when I say it is what it is, that doesn't mean I just sit there. No. No. I'm going to adapt. Right. But I'm going to keep moving. That's why I call it That's movement a, bias. Yeah. You know, not stasis bias. Well, that's what you kind of got to at the end of the chapter too, right? Is that it's not it's not just that it's not the not just the acknowledgement that you will move a certain way or other. Right. That is a movement bias, but right. you have a bias toward 
movement. Right. Toward moving and right. staying in that's motion. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and so I am, I've, I intentionally put myself with other men who are, who have, have more of a control bias, you know, Tim Watson being a very good example, yes. right? You know, and Tim Watson and I go around obstacles on the opposite sides of each other and then come back towards the middle because we're both going moving in the same right. direction, right? right? You know, and, uh, he reins me in and I keep him from being such a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 half kidding. Uh, maybe three quarter. Uh, I'm half kidding. So uh, that that's just that's how we that's how we roll as men, right? Yeah. yeah. That's how we roll. That's that's effective shared leadership team, right? Yeah. That's why you have shared leadership. I I do not wish to be in sole command of of absolutely anything because I don't. I know my biases and I know what they can result in. Yeah. I am prone to reckless movement forward without yes. sufficient planning. Because for me, I hadn't noticed. For me, speed trumps line and always yeah. does. Uh, explain that one to me, too. Because I've seen you, t- you tag it a few times, but yeah. I don't remember. I'm sorry. This is, you know, problem for me and for you since we're in partnership here is. Since I'm writing the next book, uh-huh. you like keep, I know you do it, you drag the things like, for the next the next book. So Speed Trump's line is actually an old concept, but I'm reworking it, which uh, goes from uh, some some mountain biking experience I had, gee whiz, now 20 years ago. Okay, and I was learning to mountain bike, and I was mountain biking with this guy who was a very good mountain biker uh, and a very good cyclist in general, and I was just terrible. I was always falling down. And we uh, were riding in Fort Mill quite a bit at the okay. Springs. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. The I don't Greenway know if it's still a the Greenway there. Oh, sure. And uh, it had rock fields and stumps, you know, and little right. these little right. very narrow bridges over mm-hmm. these these little small streams. And I would, I noticed he would go right over those little bridges. It was like a four by four, and and I would always fall. <laughs> when we went okay. through like a rock field, uh-huh. he would f- somehow just go right through it, and I would always fall. And uh, I'm lying there just so mad. Think about giving up. And he comes circling back one day. And he's like, you want to know why you always fall? When we go through some, one of these things, I'm why? And he goes, because you always slow down yeah. before we get there, don't you? And I said, well, yeah. He goes, why are you slowing down? I said, because I'm trying to figure out the exact right path to go through. And guy, he's like, speed trumps line, man. <laughs> You're better off speeding up. Just try it. He goes, next one of those little bridges we go over instead of slowing down to try to keep the front wheel perfectly on the on the right. on the on the bridge the four by four just pedal faster and see what happens and boom sure enough and you were fine next one i came to i, I saw it it wasn't my inclination you know i just i, I right. just jammed on the gas and went right over and then the same thing with the rock field i didn't stop and think okay and this one right i just picked up speed just and you know, let nature do its thing, man. You know, and then uh, like uh, the other day, we were down in Florida with my family, and uh, for the first time, I'd never done this before. Do you like do one of those rented those wave runners? You know, those. Oh uh, yeah, sure. Well, I forget what yeah. it was called. Jet ski, jet kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and uh, I remember the woman giving us the briefing on it. Says, you know, if you don't have any, if you don't give it any gas, you know, the right hand goes forward and the left hand goes backwards. If you don't give it any gas, you can't steer it. So, <laughs> oh, like oh, speed. And sure on. enough, when I got out there. <laughs> You know, waiting to go, I was getting angry. I'm like, fill out this form, that form. And I kept talking. I'm like, can we just do this? I mean, this is no fun. <laughs> and then two seconds into it, I'm like, I can't believe they just rent these to anybody. <laughs> Have you ever done those things? No, actually. They're crazy powerful. Yeah. I mean, I can see why people like them. So I get out there. We're not even on the ocean. And you're like, you can't go on the ocean. Forget about it. I'm yeah. like, really? 
it's so lame back here in the inlet. And she's yeah. like, you just try it and tell us what you think. When Easy you get back. biggin'. Yeah. You'll... Man, that thing, I'm just pounding the waves. And, but sure yeah. enough, you know, I started slowing down going in when I was crossing over a, you know, another pa- boat's wake. Right. I would slow right. down and get, I'd get all jump and I'd lose ability to stare. It's like, oh, speed trumps line. And so you just, and if you just go for it, speed, you, it's fine. Speed trumps line. So the idea of speed okay. trumps line to okay. me is do not. Do not take the time to measure with a micrometer that which you are going to cut with a chainsaw anyway. <laughs> get, get, get to the cutting, right? And then I saw the C.S. Lewis quote from our, our common friend, Bolt. Yes. Who has Scott Johnson. The, uh, yeah, didn't he have some kind of jacked up F3 name? Tool time. Tool time. But I think it was Bolt because he has a giant bolt in his head. He has a cochlear implant. But it was a CSL quote that said, you know, don't spend so much time thinking about whether you actually love your neighbor. Just start acting like you do and then you will. love him. I'm like, yeah, that's Speed Trump's line. Speed Trump's line. There you You go. If you want to be a man who loves his neighbor, get to the loving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Get to the loving. Now, that being said, I'm talking about all the things that are part of my bias. Right. Right? Speed, Trump's line movement bias right right and that can lead to some reckless outcomes but i know it, that tim watson you know is going well, he's to, the guy who made the forms and gave you all the rules and stuff you know the tim watsons are the ones that yeah that right. do that, right. so that he you, breaks out the spreadsheet and says yeah. wait a second now hold on yeah right you know uh when you know patrick henry jumps up and says you know uh liberty or death, death and I, I would have been out there with my tri-corner hat ready to run through start shooting at yep. the brits 100 you know tim watson says Hold on a second. I've done a spreadsheet on the cost of death. That's right. <laughs> you like, know, uh, we're outnumbered eight to one now, or whatever. He's personally a very brave guy and sure. uh, probably a heck of a mountain biker, you know, uh, but uh, he, and actually owns his own wave runners used to. But I mean, uh, the point being, he, w- he, he would definitely be out there ultimately, but he would say, wait. Yeah, he would have, he would have weighed the cost first. Right. Yeah. So whereas Whereas the movement bias guy is saying, it is what it is. I love chaos. All I can do control is what comes out of my mouth. And we'll put it, you know, it is what it is. And he's saying, eh, it's not what it should be. Uh, I'm saying, don't cut, you know, don't use a, don't use a micrometer for, for that, which you're going to cut with a chainsaw. He's like, ah, oh, measure twice, cut once. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, right? yeah you know, it, but, but, you know, so I depend on, I depend on that dude. Yeah. You know, I depend on those kind of guys. You know, when I team up with a guy who's equally uh, stupid as myself, I know that we are going to rush forward off the yeah. cliff hand in hand. Right. Right. Thelma and Louise. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> like straight off in the sunset. Doing neither of us any good. You, yeah. You, I need a guy with the oh, other yeah. bias. But the, the problem with the orists is they don't see it that way. They say, oh, you don't think the way I do. So you, there's something wrong with it. Either yeah. you well, agree. Because their bias is toward homogeny. Well, right. It's, it's, it's more like the orist is, is incapable of recognizing that two things, the, the two inconsistent things can both be true. Like for. And be, okay. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Either. Right. So if I was an orist chaos junkie, right. And and my position was either you jump off this cliff with me right now without thinking twice, or or you're a pussy. That's an orist way to think it, right? right? Whereas an andist way to approach it is, I have my way of thinking, and you have your way of thinking. And we're both a heck of a lot better off, and so is everyone else around us by us yeah. being if, teamed up together. If we go on and think these things together, right. rather than that's yeah. right. Yeah. I'll give you a nice example on why I kind of like this multimedia. 
you know, uh, kingdom that we're building here is sure. somebody had listened to, uh, I think he was from Florida, maybe had listened to the podcast last podcast and on Facebook says, Hey, I listened to it, but I disagree with you on one of the things you said. And it, it had been this, we were talking about whether or not it was, um, justifiable or I guess even proper in any way for a person mm-hmm. with a man's body. Yes. To swim against people yes. with women's bodies competitively yes. in the Ivy League. Right. And both you and I agreed that it no. wasn't. Right? Yeah. Um, now, I I don't even remember saying it this way. But apparently what I said was, the um, here's this dude who has chosen to game the system. And instead of swimming against men, he's swimming against women. Okay. So this guy okay. on Facebook picks up and goes, I disagree Nobody who's ever been a transgender has ever done that by choice. He's not doing it to game the system. He's doing it because, you know. That, that's who he is. That's who he is. Okay. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay, good. Thanks for telling me that because that's not material. <laughs> right? Right. But I get your point. Like, I'm not mad at for that guy for saying it. Sure. I, I, say, I thanked him for it. I said, yeah, you're right. The me- my message could be better if there's somebody out there for whom, you know, maybe this is a cause for them or whatever. Right. You know, uh, that, that that they think that's important, you know, I'm like, I don't want to lose you on the material part of the argument because you're stuck at... Right, yeah, you got right. hung up on... Right, and I, you know, like I said to him, I said to him, I don't know what that guy's motives are. I don't know what, but I'll take your word for it. Well, that... Maybe well, his motives is pure... Who knows? Well, that's Bottom what we said in the podcast. But, 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 but yeah. I, I don't remember. Regardless, anyway, But yeah. it makes a good point anyway, which is nothing. I just don't care about this truth nugget, right? So anyway... Right, right, right. right. So... It makes a good point anyway. It doesn't matter what the dude's motives are or the person. Let's just call him the person. The person's motives are the person has a man's body. Right. And he's using it against women, and that ain't good. I mean, we can all agree with that, right? Or if not, or, I'm sure, or I'm sure or, we, can, we can dial back right, one we can more dial back and find one something more, else right? here. Yeah. But, but my point is to discuss it in that way. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. the guy didn't, like, throw me, you know, you're a hater and, you know, this thing where people are, uh, you know, you're making well, you got some of those, too. Well, I get, I get, this is what I get, is a guy that's not disagree with me on substance so much, but he's like, the way you said it yeah. was divisive yeah, yeah. and hateful and, you know. Yeah, you, some of those words you chose right. or, the, or the tone that right. you. You could have yeah. said it another way. I'm like, well, you say it another way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, right. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, but, but let's. But if we get past that. Yeah. Oh, are you still on me? We, are you still yeah. with me? Or there was a guy who's on Twitter who said. Oh, we're talking about the mask mandate on the plane. And I was using that as an example of abrogation of due process, right? Yes. Because, I, I, because the executive should not be issuing. Yeah, he can't do that. Can, can't do it, right? It's not going to It's not gonna pass muster. So yeah. we had a pretty good, I thought, overall discussion yeah, about the Constitution. So. and the several guys the, jumped in. and Between the legislative and, the, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and some guys were like, I don't care where it comes from. We need to do it immediately. I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, it's the exigent that always cracks the door to the hand of tyranny, right? Right. It's always the emergency. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then once in, they don't say, oh, emergency over, I'm going to give up power. Right. Let me, and I'll right. put all these things that's back. That's right. So, work. I mean, I felt like we had good discussions there. But this one particular guy goes, I just, but that was, that's, you know, that's never going to happen. And that's not a, you know, that's not a, you should have used a different example. I'm like, why? I mean, if that example gets the point across, right? Then what's the difference? Then what's the difference? Yeah. But I'm more than happy to engage in that. I because know. Because I'm a I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a chaos lover. I was going to say because you like, like chaos. But some people want to control. See, right? The terms of the debate. It's important to them. I don't. Wish well, they can't to, win if they don't. I 
I don't think they're even thinking of terms and winning. They, it's not important. Like they're agreeing with it. This guy, I wish I could remember his name. This guy was actually agreeing with my underlying point. That's the funny part. He, in fact, he said, because my premise was, well, if the president of the United States is going to force you to get a vaccine, right? Uh, or the government is going to force you to get a vaccine as as uh, to fly. Uh-huh. That is such a serious and significant infringement upon your individual liberty that has to be done by the legislature. It can't, you know, and I said, executive order, no good. Yeah. Has to be done with the legislature. This guy actually goes one more and says, in fact, I don't even think it would be constitutional if the legislature did it, which I I agree with, but that's not the point. Right. But, but in, so he goes, I said, so the funny thing I said, so you agree with me, A, that it should never be uh, done by executive mandate. You agree with me there. Not only do you agree with me, you go one step farther and say the legislature shouldn't do it either, but you don't like the fact that I used that example in the first place. <laughs> I don't I don't remember seeing this. And one, he said, yes, yeah. that's right. He goes, it's it's because you know, it's divisive. It, well, it's divisive and it gets people confused. I said, okay. He has a control bias. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He he would rather control the terms of the debate. That's more important to him to control the terms of the debate than it is to have the to have the sharp interchange itself, and that's why, you know, that it was important to me to understand that. It's made me a better leader, I think, to understand that. It certainly made me a better lawyer. Okay. So I'll I'll give you you I'll give you a litigation example. Yeah. It's. So if I'm trying a case, if I'm the plaintiff, and I'm putting on my case, right? right? So I'm putting right. on witnesses. Right. Uh, and the other lawyer on the other side of my adverse party, the opposing counsel, is a high-control litigator. That's what I call him, high-control okay. litigator. He will not be able to help when I'm done with a, like, at the so we take a break. He will not be able to help. The jury goes out of the room, and he, he will not be able to help going, uh, asking the court to ask me, because he's not really supposed to talk to me directly at that uh-huh. time, to ask me to to, to uh, disclose to the court who my next witness will be. Okay, because can't help himself. Can't help himself, and they'll usually say, and if every lawyer who's ever tried a case is going to recognize this, because the court, when the court, court means judge, when the judge uh, excuses the jury, uh-huh. you're still on the record, and he says anything for the court. In other words, are there matters for the court to take up outside the presence of the jury that you want on the record for appeal, right? Uh-huh. And I'm. I mean, in 25 years, I've probably done three. Because I'm, I'm a high-chaos litigator. Can you give me an example? Okay, so one would be, well, Judge, uh, I'm going to introduce some evidence using a video uh-huh. uh, with my next witness. And that's a little bit different than we usually do. And here's my plan. I'm going to put the video up here. And uh, and a judge appreciates that because he, now he anticipates right. what's coming. And he says to opposing counsel, are you going to object to that? And he says, well, I've seen the video, uh, and as long as he puts the video on that I've already seen, we're yeah, fine. Yeah, then we should be fine. Okay. That's, that's the kind of thing you would do. Okay. Right? Okay. Or so it's anything. It's like an administrative right. point. Well, it's, it's a, not. It, it can be an administrative point. It could also be, well, judge, you know, juror number four has been asleep the whole time. I, you know, you need, you know, uh-huh. there could be, uh, there's just a whole slew of things. Okay. Right? A whole slew of things that, that could, anything that you want the judge to be, uh, Cognizant of outside I guess my the question is, is there a strategic reason to do it? Yes. Okay. That's yes. okay. That's what I'm kind of. But for me, being a high chaos litigator, the strategic thing is not to do it because I want it to come out when no one has planned it's for it. Way more effective <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's the other guy. Sure. I. That's because just how well, I'm but hardwired. You've anticipated 
and thought. I tried to. That. That's what I'm saying. Right. You, you've tried to think through Now, that. for the high control litigator, he's going to, every single break, he's going to have something. And he'll usually say, and again, so lawyers recognize this right. phrase, okay. uh, you know, I have a couple of housekeeping items. That's what they say. Uh-huh. And it'll be, oh, it, judge, it would really be helpful if I could, you know, know who Mr. Redding's next witness is, right? Now, for the court, the judge, that sounds perfectly reasonable, you know, but for me, the strategies and tactics yeah, I've used your to keep you off balance are to my client's benefit, and I don't, right. I never do anything in the trial, nor one, I never fail to do anything if it, it doesn't matter to my client's best interest, and I never do anything if it doesn't. So if it doesn't matter to my client's business, you can ask me, guy could say, I want you to wear a different tie tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I, I don't care. Yeah. Guy says, you know, I want to park in your parking. Sure. Fine. Any favor I can do for the other guy, as mm-hmm. long as it doesn't hurt my case, fine. Anything he asks, no matter how reasonable, that isn't to my client's betterment, uh-uh, not, not a chance. It. Not a chance. Not a chance. Never going to voluntarily disclose who the next witness is. So, because that puts him on edge. Okay, but so also, I say, go ahead. But I'll just say also the fact that he does that tells me is a tell that that gets to him. Yeah, it's driving him nuts. He driving hate, him up. He hates right. the fact that you're chaos in this thing. Or try, can't stand it, right? Yeah, it's driving so, him nuts. So, so he says, so, I, so I'm the lawyer. I say, judge, I want to know who, who right, uh, Reddy's right, next, right. next uh, right. guy is. I respectfully request to know who the next <clears throat> witness is. Okay. Judge looks at me. Uh, just like, well, Mr. Redding, um, can you tell us who your next witness is going to be? Now, when I was young and, uh, you know, full of beans, I would say something like, judge, there's no, there's no rule in the rules of civil procedure, the general rules of practice in the state of North Carolina obligates me to disclose who my witnesses, what order my witnesses are. Yeah. That's between me and my client. That's a matter of trial strategy. I don't, have, and we might get in judge maybe, you know, particularly when I was young and he was old, he'd kind of get mad at that, you know, and the other lawyer would be like, oh, it's just a matter of professional career. Yeah. Anyway, so I get one of these endless idiocies. And then I finally light went off for me one day, or probably I saw a better lawyer do it. I just said, oh, well, I'm happy to say to tell you, Judge, I just, uh, uh, and Mr. Mr. Jones here, I'm happy to, to, to do yeah. that. I just don't know yet. I'm going to have to get with my client and, and, and see what he thinks. Out the next one. <laughs> but as soon as I find out, I'm happy to say it, right? As soon as I know, I'm happy to tell him, <laughs> right, right? Right. And that moment never comes. Yeah. And he can say it on every single break, and I'm like, ah, you, uh, you Hold know. on, I'll check. Right. Oh, actually, I got, yeah. Yeah, I got you know, one of my associates trying to run down an ex-witness. But I ain't never telling them. No. And, you know, I ain't never going to do it because it's to my client's advantage to not for them do to it. not know. Right. Now, yeah. for the high control litigator, that drives him insane. Yeah. Because he needs to control it. Right. Yeah. He needs to control. He needs that feeling to control the terms of that debate. And he'll, uh, the high control litigator will always be asking me questions like, how long is your opening statement going to be? Are you, will you object if I introduce this piece of evidence? Uh, he, you know, he just wants to, he wants to try and plan this whole deal whole, out. Whole from, deal. From soup to nuts. To, soup I to mean, nuts. just to, the, and have every, so he's predicted every step along the way and he because knows exactly that's, what's going to happen. That's his hardwiring. And that's what I'm saying when I said, you know, like, uh, well, they, they want to do it this way because then they can't win. In, in that case, it's a real actual win, right? I mean, the case could be won or lost you know, based yeah. on what, you know, yeah. theoretically, right? right. But, but it's, it's not even, the, the win is the emotional win. The win is the, you know, the, the well, I've, I've got to know. What, feeling of comfort. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Feeling, that feeling that, comfort, that right. safety, that right. feeling of safety. Right. There is no safety. Well, it's, I think it's more comfort. So uh, I, I guess it's like... Tell, tell me why you think there's a difference between because, those two. Because to me, safety implies that there's danger. There's no danger. It's just a... a well, high, but, no, but it's a perceived danger. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Because when I... Well, dial back to where we started. What do you right? mean? Like, to COVID. Oh. 
Well, right? now COVID's going to be a little bit different. Okay, all right, fair. Right, all right. You know, because there's actual. And I don't want quibble. Health. It's not pointing quibbling over the world. It could be danger. I mean, yeah. You know, anyway, so, okay, doesn't matter. But I guess right, for the on. for the high control litigator, he's just made unsafe. Okay, he's marking. Uh, his, whatever. He marked himself unsafe on on, on his emotional. <laughs> Facebook page, right? Comfort. We'll go with comfort. Because, I like yeah, comfort. But, but, but we'll like, go with comfort. He's being forced. If he doesn't know who the next witness is, he. Oh, that's what he'll think about while he should be listening. That's to say he can't, he can't think of anything. Else. He should be listening to uh, he should be listening to my the testimony, my examination of the witness in the moment, so that he can plan his cross examination. That's what he should be doing. But instead, he's fretting about who my next witness is going to be. Because you wouldn't tell. Him. And he's distracted, right? Yeah. Now, by the same token, if he for some reason wants to do it himself, like we get up, you know. And the next break, he's like, well, judge, just want to advise the court that I'll probably be calling Mr. Jones, blah, blah, blah. And I'll just like pretend that I'm writing something. <laughs> and the judge will go, Mr. Redding, uh, do you have anything to say about that? I'm like, I'm sorry, Your Honor. I was distracted. What, what oh, were we talking oh, about? I wasn't paying attention. He's like, uh, Mr. Jones said he's going to call Mr. Johnson. I'm like, oh, sure. You can call whatever witness he wants. And that, and that drives that drives guy Drives him crazy. Because he's, he's like, like, you should want to know. Doesn't this guy want to know? You need to know. Right. Doesn't he want to know? You know, um, now, part of my brain is going, okay, you know, I'll just pull that file out instead of this other one. But, right. you know, the fact of the matter is I'm just hardwired that way. It is yeah. what it is. Whatever witness you call. Because let me ask you this. Is it possible for me to say I'm going to call so-and-so and then go, actually, you know what? I, I, I take that back. I'm going to do it a different sure. way. Sure. I mean, you, I could do that, right? Yeah, but I wouldn't do that. No, no. I'm, I know you wouldn't, but I'm just saying, is that a possibility yeah, you could within say, a court? They say, uh, my, my intention was to call Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones can't make it to the court right now, so I have Mr. Johnson. Judge will always let you do that because he doesn't want a second wasted. Right. So if you say, the choices we have are for us to sit here and twiddle our thumbs so Mr. Jones can get here from Huntersville, or right. I call Mr. Johnson because he's sitting here, judge is going to say, call Johnson. Johnson. And that's my point. That's, so that's kind of what I was asking is, is because I don't know how it all works, right? right? You know, is, Nobody was, does. That's why it drives people who go to law school nuts to be litigators because people who go to law school are generally high control people. The high control people. <laughs> and then you so get, they, right. So you go through, you go through your life. No wonder you kill these people like all you, day. I don't kill them all day long. I just do a good job for my clients. But That's I mean, a, you know what I mean? It, but I'll, I'll say this. I'm not uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they, yeah. they, they your average person who goes to law school, right. is part of a plan. You know, they always thought they would, and they take the LSAT 17 times and, you know, they, mm -hmm. they compare law schools and they go through all the stuff that a high control person would do. Yeah. And then I went to law school because my branch manager from the Pentagon called me in 1993 and said, man, you're a riff bait. Um, yeah. I, well, we're, you know, we won the Cold War. We're closing down. We're, we're reducing the army by 35%. Uh -huh. And there's going to be a reduction force and it might get you. You're riff bait. Oh, reduction force. Okay. You're riff bait. Oh, I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah. That's all it means. And I, he, yeah. I was like, he's like, you want to... He, I said, and he was a buddy of mine. We'd been in the same unit together. We got in combat together. I mean, I trusted him. Yeah. And he said, uh, I'm really sorry. I was like, ain't no reason to be sorry, Ernie. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, okay. It is what it is. Yeah. He's like, well, is there anything I can send you? I said, brother, if you're telling me that's what it is, then I'm going to take your word for it. And he goes, what do you want to do? Do you want to think about it for a is while? Is it just kind of like getting fired? Well, no, I mean, if no, you, it, oh, yes, if you yeah, get like, riffed. If you get riffed. But, wait, but, kinda, but yeah. I had a choice in the moment was to accept a payment to get out early uh -huh. or to get out then. Right. So he says, you know, do you want to think about it or, you know, talk to your wife? I was like, no. Yeah, if you say that's, okay, that's yeah. Fine. Yeah. He's like, so what? What are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I think I'll go to law school. <laughs> I made that decision 
in like seven seconds. <laughs> but the point, and I make this in the book, is yeah. like it wasn't a decision at all. It was an adaptation to an uncontrollable circumstance. You know, I didn't control the Cold War. I didn't control no, when it ended, no, yeah. and I didn't control I didn't control the, the Soviet Union's decision to completely collapse all at once. I didn't control the United States government's decision to, to reduce the size of the military tremendously. Right. It just was a uncontrollable circumstance in life, a bit of chaos, and I just adapted to it. You know, and uh, as it turned out, there was one LSAT left to take that year. Uh-huh. I took the last one without any preparation whatsoever. Uh-huh. Took the score I got, said good enough, applied to law schools, and Wake is where I got in, and that's where I went. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you there was nobody else <laughs> sitting in that. And then, and then because I'd never been to Wake Forest, uh-huh. I thought it was in Wake Forest, North Carolina. It's it, not. It's, it's not. in Winston-Salem. There you go. So I drove to Wake Forest, North Carolina, and they said, guess what? There's not a law you school it. here. It's, <laughs> come on, come it's 100 miles to the west. <laughs> so I drove out there, went to law school, uh. right? Now, that's not going to be the profile of your average law school student. The average law school student yeah, no, is going to be much that. more of a high-control person. Sure. So they go through law school, you know, worried about grades, doing all that thing, get out. If they go, get into litigation, there's rules, but they're more like kind of weird, squishy guidelines. But there's right. no, there's nothing written down it's about. It's not like contract law or, or uh, well, not even, uh, I, I think you I mean think transactional law. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not where like, it's like, it's not clo- like closing a residential. Right. Like, That's what I mean. Like, it's, it's, yeah, good point. Right. I don't know enough about the law, right? Obviously, but I just feel like it's not like you sit in front of a pile of papers all day. So it's not like having a transactional lawyer. Basically, what they do is they draft documents and they they close business deals and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. They don't go to court. Yeah. So a litigator goes to court. Right. Right. So, yeah, I I would think it's for a high control uh, lawyer, transactional would be a better place. Right. Right. That's that's what I'm. I mean, uh, when you walk into a courtroom in Mecklenburg County, I mean, North Carolina to try a case, you don't even know who the judge is going to be. Oh, they they intentionally do that so you can't judge shop but even if you did know who the judge i guess you'd know on the friday before but even if you thought it was going to be a particular judge i don't even look to be honest with you if you thought it was going to be a particular judge that guy might be sick or they might have some you never idea. know well it could be anybody so you what? just and you don't yeah. obviously don't know who the jurors are going to be i mean there's no way to know that sure so you just go in there and you get they get 40 or 50 jurors to pick a jury and, and like they are who they are it yeah. is what it is judge is who Figure he is it, it is what it is he makes rulings you don't expect he makes rulings good bad up the, you just got it's chaos, and during the trial, the only thing I can control is what I put in my mouth and what comes out. <laughs> and I think for a high control li- litigator, it it must uh, be so draining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't thrive there, that, and that's kind of what I was trying to ask before too, is like you know, around procedure and things like that. They could I could change my lineup anytime I wanted yeah. to, and all that kind of stuff. So why do you even bother asking? Why does the guy even bother asking? Because he can't. Help can't, himself can't help because it. of his bias. Can't help it. He's he's going left of that stump every right single now, time. And there's not. And I I want to stress this. I'm not the least bit critical of that when I say these things. It sounds like I am. Well, that's and I'm glad you said that because I was gonna I was gonna kind of get there as well. There's but, no point in criticizing hardwiring. No, there's no point. Yeah, you're not even saying you're not even you're going so far not even just to not criticize the guy that that chooses left, right, or to or to foolishly say well right is really the better bias if you think about it like it doesn't do you any good it doesn't matter you are it's, what it's you irrelevant. are relevant you are what you are you know so when i say i don't i'm not saying i'm not frustrated by it of course i'm frustrated by the other hardwiring i well, can sure. be i'm just saying i'm not critical of it in the sense that that the guy is who he is like yeah. if i call myself a, a high chaos guy right have a chaos bias then how the heck could i criticize somebody because they are what they are 
That's part of the chaos, <laughs> right? But that, but the difference being, then, uh, as as an orist, I I look and go, well, but right, choosing the right of the stump is not only is it the better way to do things, right? You, if you choose to the left, there's something wrong with you, and and you're a bad I, person. You're a bad person. Okay, that's what an orist says. That's right. What, that's exactly. What I yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's what an and, that, and that's saying. and that the high control guy typically I would say that Venn diagram probably you know yeah. they hit each other a lot right, right. that a, an orist would very much be a high control person because they it makes them uncomfortable whether that's or unsafe or whatever you know we were debating before but it makes them very uncomfortable to look and go but how but how will I know like but it. But if I don't have all of these things lined up, if I don't have all these answers, if I don't have all these sure. facts, if I don't have right. all this stuff, and if I if if you're allowed to function outside of this this world that I built of the facts and the things and the you know the exactness and the control, then then my whole thing falls apart, right? <laughs> and and it, and and so I can't I can't function. I can't. It, it we can't we can't coexist. Today. And and we have to coexist, and we coexist by being andists who love each other. So, this uh, happened in the early Christian Church, because the there were uh, Jews who became Christians. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not right. There were, this is a different story. There were there was a uh, a battle between what Paul called strong Christians and weak Christians. Okay, and uh, he said a weak Christian was somebody who. And it wasn't strong and weak are really difficult words to get around because you're like, oh, I want to be the strong Christian. But he didn't really mean that. But the weak Christian was somebody for whom the rules were extremely important. Okay. Right? More of a... uh, there's a word and I can't think of it. What now, you would, yeah. what you so a, like a box checker, right? You know, well, well, no, see, that's it's not like that. So let's take a um, actually, there's a good example between me and you. Okay. Um, I don't have any problem with drinking coffee, right. hot cocoa, yeah. uh, alcohol. alcohol, whatever yeah. for me, yeah. you know, there's a phrase in the Bible. Oh, Jesus, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth. What goes in your mouth passes out. But you know, yeah. what matters is in your heart, what's inside. Right. Like he makes that yeah. comparison. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, that's my wiring. I'm like, it, yeah. it, to, like there's very, fru- I, like I'm not, the rules don't matter to me very much. Like the rules behind the rules, matter to me right so like i i that, that's who paul was talking to there were christians in the early church who would get mad at the christians who were drinking alcohol and eating meat uh-huh. because they for some portion of that you're not supposed to do those things right 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 and then uh, the the ones that were drinking alcohol and eating meat were making fun of the ones who weren't oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah but they weren't treating each other with kindness right and he and he said look if you're free you're a strong christian you're free like your faith mm-hmm. is what sustains you then you are not to flaunt those that your freedom in the face of the weak Christian, because that's a stumbling block. Like you're you're not supposed to do that. Like I, you're not supposed to walk up to the guy who for whom hot drink is a bad thing and go, right. ah, you know, yeah. your faith is weak. Stupid, you're, you're stupid yeah. right? Now on the on the same token, if you're the weak Christian, and the the rules are very important to you, and you think it's you know eating meat is, um, and 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 drinking alcohol separates you from God for some reason, you're not supposed to take those requirements. That you feel deeply, and then say and call another man a sinner because he doesn't feel that way. Right. Yes. That was the, that was the thing that Paul said. Okay. And I that that and I think that was just reflecting this natural thing amongst people is that some people are going to be more towards the chaos, and some people are going to be more towards the control. Some people are going to be more towards the rules about rules, 
Yeah. And yes. some people are about the rules themselves. Like when I get into one of these Twitter debates with somebody who's like, the law should be this. And I tell them, I don't know what the law should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're a lawyer. You know, I like, said, no, no, no. I said, I'm interested I said, in how it changes or I said, change. the rules yeah. aren't important to me. It's the, it's the rules we have to make rules. Yeah. How do we get there? How do we get there? Like, I'm going to follow the law. <clears throat> sure. One way or the other. Or seek to change it. Or, unless it, the only time I would not follow law is if it literally required me to disregard the higher law. Hmm. Like if it became mandatory in North Carolina for me to murder somebody, we got a problem. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know, and I'll take the consequences of what, what that yeah. would be. Right. Yeah. And, and, but you know, those times are so far and, and, uh, few, they, they barely exist. That, that, that dis- discussing them doesn't even make any sense other than just simply as a framework. Right. So, um, the, the the person that's very interested in the rules themselves, mm-hmm. to wit, should we be wearing face masks inside one place or another? Should we, you know, all these things, should we get to get the, the vaccine before we get on a plane? Those are rules. Yes. I don't know if they're good rules. I mean, the freedom lover in me says they're not, but I'm not a doctor. I don't know. My interest is in how we make them. Yeah. Congress, pass right. a bill. Right. Legislature, like, uh, you know, House of Representatives, uh, Senate, boom, President signs it. I watch Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah, it's, I remember like, how this goes. Pretty, a bill, a bill, a bill. <laughs> I mean, that, that, to me, the interest is in because I'm a chaos person, and I always think there's going to be chaos, which means there's always going to need, need to be some rules, but the best system is a system that allows people who lose in the rulemaking process to accept it. Mm-hmm. And if the system isn't seen as fair and just and equitable as possible, then the losers will not accept it and they'll break the rules. So it doesn't do you any good. That's why I keep saying, if you keep pushing these rules and changing how we make the rules, then the losers in the political process are going to fight. Yeah, we're not going to play. They're not going to accept it. Yeah. And there's a large segment of our population, not huge, no. but, but statistically significant segment of our population that right now is saying F the way we make the rules. Mm. There's emergencies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's a fill in the blank. Doesn't matter. Exigent you circumstances. Face. Yeah. Emergencies. Unprecedented. Un- unprecedented. We've never faced this before. Yeah. We never because of those before. things, we need to abandon the painstaking process by which we all agreed all it's a thing. Agreed by by being born in the United States. Here you are, subject a to the Constitution, yeah, right? You like it or Your not. implicit agreement to this to be ruled by this Constitution. Let's throw it out. Yeah, because I don't because because we can't for the the democracy isn't doing what we want it to do. Right. So thus, it's the democracy's fault, and that's what I oppose. And when it turns around on me later, that's right. Were I, as Thomas More said, were I to cut down every law in chasing the devil, what then when the devil turns round upon me, having laid waste to every law in the land of England? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's why we do it. And it took us, darn, it took us a whole millennium to get from the Norman conquest to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not next week. That's Radical Notions. week after that, statics, status redux. Right. Okay. To get to this point where we are a land of rules, we, we the law. We are we are a land led by the law. Yeah. And the law is a matter of contract. It applies the same to everyone. 
right? It's not a matter of status. It has to. It, well, it has to in a free self-governing republic. That's what I mean, for us, to, for us right? to survive. Yeah. But, but there is a not huge, but large, statistically significant segment of the population that wishes to return to status. Yeah. They're more comfortable with a status. Status now being, well, maybe you're a person of color or you're a person of not color or you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated. Yeah, whatever it might be. Like, to the point where I've literally seen doctors say, well, you know, the unvaccinated shouldn't be able to avail themselves of this particular, you know, this medical yeah, care. This well, they shouldn't get unemployment yeah. benefits. I'm uh, like, well, there were whole hospitals who walked out. Uh, I was like, so, so wait a second. Yeah. I mean, you don't do that when someone's obese. And What's arguably, that? I don't even mean arguably, you know, heart disease is a far oh, bigger it is, threat. By so, far. But yes. Th- that's what's got me. It's like, and, you know, it's difficult when you're, when you're a uh, chaos junkie. Mm-hmm. High chaos guy, and you're like, you know, basically rules, meetings, and signs are a f- sign of failureship in an organization. And you're a lawyer, yeah. and you're arguing with people who are high control. Yeah, you're three and, strengths, on, and they want rules. But I just think we have to persist, Frank. You think so? I think we do because you know a a a the nation a nation such as ours that where people just people who are holding the middle. Mm-hmm collectively decide not to do it anymore because it ain't worth the struggle that's not good for anybody no it's right not. that's the job it's of not. the mini van centurion right it is you know and so like when somebody wants to debate with me whether or not a, a man can turn himself into a woman my main response to that is i don't think it's a good idea why not because we need every swing and dick on the line we need every swing and dick on the line fighting to hold the middle and if some guy is going to get up there and say well, i'm not a man anymore and walk away i don't care if you cut your penis off or not that's emotionally or physically yeah no i i mean it's your business but that's, if that becomes rampant we got a problem we got a problem we got a problem you know there, you know it's it's chaos but it's also a matter of mathematical apparent apparently mathematical certainty that we have roughly the same number of men if we have women now that's either god which i believe or it's kind of some grand design <laughs> Somehow in there, again, right. doesn't really matter how we got doesn't there. Matter how facts we got are there. facts. Right. Yeah, right. That's now, how it is. You know, the high control guy is going to be like, "You're a hater. You don't want to." Like, I was like, "I don't care about any of that stuff." You know? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't want to fight on that ground. I mean, that is not where I'm coming from at all. I mean, no. not at all. I'm simply talking about holding the middle. Yeah. And if you, if we don't hold the middle, if the middle, uh, if the Andists all become Orists or Fat Teds. And we got like seven guys in the middle, seven swinging dicks in the middle holding the line. You know what? It's going to be a long night. That The middle will not hold. Not long. And, and liberty, my friend, as I've said to you many times, and freedom are a close run thing. Yes. They're always at risk. Yeah. And it, it has to be fought for um, physically, sometimes, hopefully never again. War is a horrible thing. Uh, but it has to be fought for philosophically mm-hmm. and rhetorically. Yeah. That and that's kind of the underlying thing about the minivan centurion. Aye. Aye. So then the question really at this point, I guess, Dave, becomes will you <laughs> will you do are you will you do like, three things? Will you do three things. <laughs> Did you see on Didn't Twitter you like, somebody was like, Is there like a, is there a like pledge? a code or a pledge or something I can do? Didn't you like, issue the pledge to somebody? I d- <laughs> I did. It was I said, uh, Gus or somebody. It wasn't Gus. It was yeah. a guy named, uh, what's it? Schmidlap. Yeah. Schmidlap from, from Chiswell. From Fort Chiswell. Yeah. I said, uh, raise your right hand. <laughs> and yes, then he was like, right. I'll, I'll get my Nant handed minister. I was like, no, no, no. no it has nothing to do with him. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. I said, just look in the mirror. If right. you can look in the mirror and say it, you're good. Right. And, and, and who amongst us, 
Who amongst us, what swinging dick amongst us could not answer these three, three questions? Will you protect your family? Yes. <laughs> Will you? <laughs> <laughs> Will I strive to be an asset in my community? <laughs> Will you strive to be an asset in your community? Darn right. Yeah. And uh, will you fight to hold the middle? All day long. Okay, then you're... Then you're there we go. Then you're not curious. <laughs> I'm you're, not curious anymore. In. I'm all in. I don't know why I laugh when I say it, because it's so darn obvious. You know, you're... Uh, it's like we talked about before. You're just you're just painting the fruit in the bowl, man. Oh, I forgot about that old metaphor. That? It makes me want to bring the Pullman back. Mm. Not going to do that. Do me a favor. Yeah, sure. Hold the middle. Will. See you. All right. You've been listening to the Minivan Centurion. If you liked it, share it, rate it, and review it. Then join us every week while we talk about what it's going to take to fulfill our duty as men and leaders. You were made for these times. The road will be rough, but you're up to the task. You don't fight alone. You fight alongside Centurions. Centurions.